Good morning, everyone. Great to uh, be able to communicate with you. Can't see you, but it's great to be able to uh, communicate together via the uh, live stream. We're starting a new series uh, in our sermons on a Sunday, and it's to do with uh, spiritual gifts. That's part of the the uh, our uh, strategic uh, priority that we were looking at earlier in the year. This is a section of it, a very, very important section, and that's why we're looking at it this morning. And the title of this morning's uh, message is The Gift of the Holy Spirit, or you could also call it The Gift That Keeps On Giving. And we'll see why that is in just a moment. But I'd like you to have your Bibles open, please. We read from chapter 14 of John. I'm going to read you another little passage from John chapter 16. And these two passages are going to be the source of our information and facts this morning. That's why it's very important that you have your Bible and uh, we uh, draw from what the Word of God says. If you've... uh, if you're a regular member here at Montmorency, you know I'm a big fan of the red writing in your Bible. And I want you to notice, uh, if you've got one of those Bibles, everything that we're reading this morning, it's in red, which means, of course, the Lord himself said these words. So let's look at chapter 16 of John's Gospel. should only be a page or so over from where you were before. And we're going to read from verse 5. It says there, now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it it is for your own good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counsellor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world in regard of sin and righteousness and judgment, in regard to sin because men do not believe in me, in regard to righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can no see me no longer, and in regard to judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, uh, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking uh, taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will take what is mine, and make it known to you. And we know the Lord will bless the reading of his word. You know, the doctrine or the theology or the teaching regarding the Holy Spirit is a very much neglected topic or subject in the church today. It really is. You know, most conservative mainstream churches very, very uh, infrequently teach on the Holy Spirit as, as a complete comprehensive subject. In Brethren Churches, which is this church here, uh, even, even more so, less likely to have a big chunk of teaching on the Holy Spirit. And in this church, this little church here at Montmorency, I've been here now 22 years 
And we have, not that I've been aware of anyway, I'm a regular attender, I come frequently, I haven't heard a big chunk, uh, 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 a comprehensive study on the Holy Spirit in this church in 22 years. In fact, I've been a Christian now for 44 years and I've been a member of three churches and in none of those churches have I ever had the had the opportunity and the privilege of hearing a comprehensive study and teaching on the Holy Spirit. And that's to our detriment, my detriment, your detriment, and the detriment of, of the, the Christian church. We have failed to give the doctrine and the teaching of the Holy Spirit the, the rightful place it deserves, which is a high priority. It should be a high priority in every Christian's life, in every church's life, to know and understand the teaching and the working of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we have included that little section in, in our uh, in our uh, strategic priority where, where it says to become and it's in there isn't it to exercise the God given gifts now the Christian church right from the very beginning has been plagued with two extreme two extreme opposing almost views on the Holy Spirit its doctrines, and in particular, in particular, the gifts, the spiritual gifts. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You really do. You know, right from the from from the outset, we the, the first occasion that we come across this is in First Corinthians in the Bible itself. In 1 Corinthians, in the first epistle, we see the abuse of spiritual gifts. That's in AD 54. The church had been going maybe 20-odd years, and here they are, already in strife over, over the spiritual gifts. And on the other hand, the appalling failure of the mainstream Christian church to appreciate to appreciate the importance of spiritual gifts and the working of the Holy Spirit in an individual's life. Because it's the Holy Spirit that determines the ministry, the, the working of the ministry, and it's essential to all, all the fruitfulness of Christian ministry and work and church life. Absolutely critical. You know, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 2, the Apostle Paul had to say to Timothy, hey man, come on, stir up that gift that's within you. Exercise it. Put it to use. Put it to work. It's a human trait. It's a frailty that we have of extremism, isn't it? On the one hand, all in, isn't it? And, and, and maybe going into error or maybe giving the wrong emphasis. And on the other hand, the other extreme, head in the sand. We won't even mention the Holy Spirit. Avoid the teaching. Too controversial. May offend people. May make me uncomfortable. That's where we're at. You know, 
Neither of those two positions are beneficial, are profitable to the church. And let me tell you this morning that neither of those two positions bring glory to God. Neither of them. You think about it. Think about it. And you'll see it's true. So what we need, what we need is a proper balance on this topic. We need a proper balance about what we we know and understand about the Holy Spirit, his workings and his gifting. And where are we going to get that proper balance from? Not from Raph or any other person, but from the Scriptures. From the Scriptures. That's where the balance is found. You'd be surprised when you start looking into the, the topic of the Holy Spirit what the scriptures actually say. It's full of it. The scriptures are full of this subject, of this person of the Holy Spirit, of his, of his intended working in our lives. Fascinating. Fascinating. What do the scriptures actually teach? There are actually certain facts, facts, in the scriptures regarding the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts. And they are, they are facts of great importance. The nature of spiritual gifts are determined not by a church or a, or a preacher or a pastor or a movement, but the nature of the spiritual gifts are determined by scripture. That's where we will find what they're about. And that's what this series is going to explore. I won't be doing it this morning. It'll be done in a few weeks' time. The spiritual gifts will be, will be examined and analysed by the Scriptures and therefore distinguishing between what's true and what's false. The Scriptures will decide that. The spiritual gifts are clearly taught that they're clearly used by God throughout dispensations, right through. And, and the reason for that is because the spiritual gifts and the working of the Holy Spirit is absolutely critical, critical to the work of God. And it has been right from page one in your Bible. The Holy Spirit was involved in the work of creation, And he's been flat out working ever since. And it's impossible for us to minister for God without using and exercising the spiritual gifts which he has provided for us. Impossible. Impossible to minister for God without them. And then we should be looking at the spiritual gifts within the apostolic age. Apostolic age. What's that, Raph? I found a very simple, and it has to be simple for me to understand it, a simple definition of the apostolic age, and here it is. The apostolic age is the period of the 12 apostles, dating from the Great Commission, right, near the end of uh, Matthew there, Matthew 28, the, the Great Commissioning of the Apostles by the resurrected Jesus in Jerusalem. They say that's around AD 33 when that happened. And it goes until the death, the death of the 
last apostle, believed to be John, of course, in Antolia. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm informed by the, uh, the quote here. And that is around AD 100. That's the apostolic age. Now, don't get hung up on dates because they may be a year or two out. But the apostolic age is when, from the time that the Lord Jesus himself commissioned the 12 apostles to do what they were asked to do, and it ended, and it stopped, it finished when the last apostle died, was called home to glory, which was the apostle John. That's the apostolic age. Simple to understand, isn't it? And the reason we need to study that that as well and look at that is to determine whether all of the spiritual gifts, whether they're all to be included in God's program after that particular time. It's important. It really is important to understand that. Do we have apostles today? Very interesting and pertinent question to ask. And the scriptures, brothers and sisters, give us the answer. And then the spiritual gifts themselves, the individual gifts, need to be uh, explained and and to try and, and understand the divine purpose of these gifts because they're given to the church and they're directly related to the work that the church does for God in the world. So the spiritual gifts, while you may think that primarily they are to benefit us as believers, and that's true, but they also are a great source of blessing to the unbeliever when they're exercised. That's important to remember. But before, but before we can launch into our series, we need a starting point. We need a starting, we need a point of reference, a datum point. We need a point of origin, a reference point that we can go back to and say, does it align with this reference? Does it align with what it's supposed to be? And we find this reference point in the two passages we read this morning in John. In John chapter 14 and in John chapter 16, we have, we have the actual starting point in the New Testament of this work of the Holy Spirit in the dispensation that we're living in today, the dispensation of grace. This is what the Godhead had planned. You know, they sat there and they worked it out. This is what we want to do. And that's important to realise, brothers and sisters, this is not a man-made thing. This is not a bunch of scholars at some, in, in, in some uh, college or, or temple or whatever. This is the Godhead planning what the Holy Spirit was going to do here on the earth. Huh? How's that? So it's important that we read this. It's important that we understand it. And more importantly, that we accept it as what God, what God wants it to be. I'll have that slide up now, thanks, uh, Andrew. So we're going to look at John chapter 14, chapter 15, uh, verses 15 to 27. 
But before we do that, there's a little slide up there. We've just finished doing First Peter, and and uh, I just thought this was a great little verse to remind. This is what Peter said. You remember in the, at the in the book of Acts, at the very start of the book of Acts, after the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles, they went out and they preached to the crowd. Three thousand people were saved. Great day. But listen to what he said. Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I love that. I love that because, you know, it says that not that you'll get the Holy Spirit. He says you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes, and rightly so, we get caught up with the fact that God has forgiven us our sins. We shouldn't make light of it. That is a great thing, believe me. It's a great thing. But what about the gift that he gives as well? Yeah, he takes away our sin and we're cleansed and we're forgiven and praise God for that. But he gives you a gift as well. It would be enough just to have your sins forgiven. But that's not God's mind on it, is it? It's not his mind. It's not his will. He wants to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit himself is a gift, which everybody has. Or, no, let me qualify, I said that wrong. Which every believer has. There's a quote from a man called John Volvord. That's how you're supposed to say it. And he quotes this. He says, and he's a, he's a Bible teacher in America. See, he quotes, he says, so important. Is, is the, is the, is the, the gift of the Holy Spirit so important to a believer because it is vital. It is directly related to every reality of the believer's experience. Now this man has written a book about this thick about the Holy Spirit. And he says, and I, and I agree with him, I really do, because, it, because it's based in scripture and I, and I've, read it and I have to agree with it, that every experience that a believer has is related to the Holy Spirit, every single one. That's why it's important that we know and we understand the working of the Holy Spirit. Everything, everything, our sanctification, our spiritual understanding of the Scriptures, without the Holy Spirit, you cannot understand the Scriptures. You can't. Our assurance, do you realise that when, whenever Satan comes and says, Raph, you're not really saved, it's the Holy Spirit that testifies with our spirit that assures us that we belong to God. It's in the scriptures. That's one of his primary things that he does. Our service to God, our prayer life, our worship, everything springs, springs from the working of the indwelling Holy Spirit. And brothers and sisters, because we don't study this, because we don't know this in our hearts, we lack the power that God intends the church to have. Especially in the West, especially the Western church. We lack the power 
because we don't give the Holy Spirit his proper place. And that's an important word to remember, his proper place. So as we look at chapter 14, it's, this is how it all starts, right? This is how it starts. This is what the Lord says in chapter 14. This is, the, the, this is how this, this indwelling of the Holy Spirit, this gifting, how it all starts, right? This is what the Lord says. If you love me, if you love me, you will keep what I command. You see, you can't have an indwelling spirit of God unless you love Jesus Christ. It's not possible. So the indwelling of the Holy Spirit comes with a love of Jesus Christ. But there's a, there's a qualifier there in that, in that sense, isn't there? The Lord himself says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And he talks a bit more about that in, in, the, in the passage as well. You know, it's very sad that sometimes Christian or professing Christians sort of get to a state where they don't attend church and, uh, you know, don't read their Bibles and pray and things like that. And when I speak to them, you, you ask them the question, do you love God? Do you love Jesus? Oh, yeah, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. But, you know, the evidence would 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 be against that the evidence of their lies the way that they live their lies would 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 tell me anyway that maybe that's not a factual statement and this is what the lord is saying here he says if you love me and obey my commands that's the evidence it's the evidence of that love he says, and then if that's the case, I will ask the Father and he will send, send you another counsellor. Now, Evan said advocate. He's got a, he's got a later version of the NIV. In mine, it's, uh, it's, uh, counsellor. In my King James Version, it's comforter. In the New Living, it's a New Living, it's helper. That's probably one of the Best phrases that I've, I've, I've come across where the Lord says, I will send you another comforter, helper, whatever, you know? Because this is what it means, that little phrase. That word another. Now I, I hate getting technical and going into the Greek, but I'm going to do it now. That word another is the word, the Greek word alos. And it's a special word. It's, it's got a special meaning. It means of the same kind the same quality. Now, that's important, Evan, because, you know, if, if you've just bought a new mobile phone, a new iPhone or a new Samsung or Gallic, whatever, and it's not working too well, and you take it back to the shop, you don't want a Nokia, a Nokia do you? You don't want an old Nokia. You don't want an old flip phone. What you want is the same one that you bought but a working model, yeah? You don't want a different kind or another type. You want the same one. That's the one you chose. That's the one you wanted. And the Lord says, I'm leaving. I'm going back to heaven, but I'm going to send you not a substitute. I'm going to send you another comforter of the same kind, the same quality as me. 
And then the word counselor or advocate, and the Greek word for that is parakletos, which means helper, it means advocate, it means someone that brings comfort, someone that comes alongside and helps. It's a great word. So another comforter. In other words, the Lord Jesus is saying, I'm going to send you someone who's just like me, just like me. You see, the Lord Jesus had a, had a slight limitation when he was here, didn't he? He was in a human body. So he could only be at one place at one time. And while he was, he was mixing with the, the 12 apostles there, you know, full on, he was still limited, wasn't he? But here the Lord says, this comforter, this counsellor, who's going to come, he will be, be with us forever. It's a, it, 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 it's a, it's a mark, it's a sealing aspect of, of, of the, of, of God. He, he marks you because every believer gets that gift. Every single one. And I love, and I love what the Lord calls this, this comforter as well. He says, he, he will be with you forever. The spirit of truth. Now let me tell you, there are 32 different titles in the scriptures of the spirit. The Holy Spirit. You know how the Lord has many titles, like the bread of life, you know, living water, the good shepherd. And, and it describes, doesn't it, certain characteristics and ministries and, and, and things that the Lord does. Well, the same with the Holy Spirit. There are 32 of them. The Lord chooses this one here. But as far as the Lord's concerned, this is paramount. He's the spirit of truth. And there's something else that you really need to notice here in this passage, which is what the Lord says, that, that uh, he, he's not only just going to be a gift given to you, it says not only will he be with you, he will be in you, in you. You couldn't get anything any closer than that. You know? It's even closer than cuddling. I love cuddling my grandkids. That's as close as I can get. But, but... Here, the Lord says, this comforter is going to be in you forever. Amen to that. You know, that is so unique, brothers and sisters. It only happens to New Testament believers. We're special. We really are. Because the God wants it to be like that. And it doesn't just indwell us. It says in verse 26 that he teaches us. Look at verse 26 together. It says there, uh, and the Father will send him in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. You know, this, this Discourse was was given by the Lord when He was telling the, the the apostle He was going to leave, going back to heaven, and they were absolutely beside themselves. Can you? I can appreciate that. The Lord Jesus Christ, He's going away back to heaven. That means you know what? We're going to be here on our own. And so He says, "Don't worry. This is what's going to happen." And He, and he enlists all those things. And in the end, what does he say? So don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. 
And, and later on in a minute, we're going to see how the Lord says, you know, it's even, it's actually better. It's better. It's better for you if I go away. How could that be? But that's what the Lord said. Because the, the, the Holy Spirit was going to come and indwell each and every one of them, just like he's indwelling each and every one of us. You know, a little while ago, we, we did Romans as well. We looked at the book of Romans in our, in our believe uh, aspect of, of our priorities, uh, strategic priorities. And there's a little verse in there that we, we looked at. I'm just going to read it to you to remind you. Romans 8 and verse 9, it says, this is what Paul says, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. That's how God sees us now. That's what marks us between us and those who don't believe. We have the spirit. We should live in the spirit realm. It says there, if indeed the, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. This is how we should live. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. And so in that little passage, we have two titles of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of God. And the Spirit of Christ, we have the Spirit of Christ indwelling us. That's how we can become Christ-like. That's why we have to become Christ-like. God has predestined that. That's what it says, isn't it, in Romans. God has determined beforehand that when we become Christians, he forgives us our sins, he gives us a gift, and the gift is the Spirit of Christ. So, we can become Christ-like. Which brings us to John chapter 16, which is the work of the Holy Spirit. And here are some key things. The Holy Spirit's job description, if, if, if you want to title it, a little bit differently. This chapter, this portion talks to us about how the Holy Spirit comes to the church. He doesn't come to the world. This is important to realise it because God wants um, wants to minister to the world through the church. And so he sends the Holy Spirit to the church. To the believers, and what, what's what, what does the whole what's the Holy Spirit do in that in that in that instance? Well, it says there in verse eight that he 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 will convict the world of guilt. Now that word uh, convict means to expose or lay bare to actually prove the world is guilty of sin. He doesn't come to condemn the world. It comes to expose it. Because by doing that, it brings people to a realisation of their need of salvation. You know, we, we aren't actually responsible for saving anybody, which is, I made a really terrible mistake when I first became a believer. I thought it was my job to save all my mates. 
And I was very passionate about that, Evan. I really was. But I mucked it up. I really, I, you know, to say that is letting, my, letting myself off lightly. I really, I was probably detrimental to them becoming believers the way I went about it. Because I thought I had to save them. I had to convince them. I had to badger them. I had to bash them with the Bible to get them saved. And it was wrong. Not my job. That's that's not in my job description. That's in the Holy Spirit's job description. You see, we're witnesses. We're witnesses. By the way, which I live my life with the help of the Holy Spirit helps people to see. It allows the Holy Spirit to convict them of their sin. It's not my job, but I do have a responsibility to obey and live a life in obedience. Verse 9, it says that the Holy Spirit's job is to convict them of, of unbelief. And we, John talks a bit about that in chapter 3. But basically, it's a fact that, that he, his job is to convict people that they are refusing to believe Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Refusing unbelief. We looked at that in Romans as well, didn't we? Unbelief is a sin. It's a sin. You know, when you talk to people, they think murder, that's, yeah, that's a sin. Drugs, yeah, prostitute, yeah, they're obvious sins, aren't they not? But unbelief also causes people to, to, to be cast into a lost eternity. It's unbelief. And we looked at that in, in Romans. And righteousness, uh, verse 10. You know, the reason the Holy Spirit is here and doing what he's doing, which I think is a blessing, but is because the world rejected Jesus. If you stop and think just for a moment, what should be happening? The Lord should be here. He came to set up his kingdom. And they rejected him. This, 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 this is an alternative situation that God had in mind. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? And so the Holy Spirit's job, the fact that he's here, part of his job is to convict the world that they rejected the king. They rejected who God wanted to rule this earth. Imagine how good, how, how different... Montmorency would look if the Lord was on the throne here, literally ruling as God intended, as as he will one day soon. But that's one of the reasons the Holy Spirit's here. And then in verse verse 11, he's here to uh, to judge as well, to to judge Satan and his systems. That's, you know, that's how we know that things aren't well, good. You know, things are evil because it's been judged. Satan has been proven not to be the ruler of the, of the, of the world. He's not. He's been judged. And he'll be coming to meet the end very soon. <coughs> but verse 13 is a great one that I want you to pay attention. Have a look at what it says in verse 13. But when the spirit, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide he will guide you into all truth. <coughs> Excuse me. It's not the virus, that's just a tickle. 
That word guide, when you look it up, it means to assist a person to travel through or reach a destination uh, in an unfamiliar area. I love that. I love that. The Holy Spirit, the Lord says, it's written in red, the Lord says, when the Spirit comes, he will guide you around. Absolutely, the Christian life is an unfamiliar territory. The Christian walk is... Excuse me. I knew this was going to happen. That's why I grabbed the glass. The Christian walk is something that we don't know very well. Sometimes it has snares. Sometimes we stumble. But the Holy Spirit is there to guide. And it also, it also says, not only is he to guide you in unfamiliar territory, but as by accompanying a person. Now, I was trying to think of an example, and I thought of one this morning to illustrate this. I could tell you how to tile your floor in, in your bathroom so that it, you have a level entry in, into your shower. It's, it's, it's complicated, right? It's not easy to do. You've got to get the levels right. I could tell you how to do that. And I could write it down for you. I could give you quite a detailed uh, description of how you, you go about it. I can tell you what tools to use, all sorts. I could even give you a little diagram to show you the layout of your tile so you get the nice form and all the rest of it. And I could do that. See, I've got the knowledge to, 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 to show you how to do that. And I can send you off on your way, Evan. And you may be able to do it, and you may be successful, uh, but more than likely you won't because it's, it's not that easy to do. It's unfamiliar for you. You've probably only ever done it, never done it, right? You've never... Okay. It's possible that he could do a good job. But if I was with him... In the bathroom saying, Evan, no, 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 push that top, push that down a bit. No, you're cutting it wrong. If I was there guiding him, the likelihood of it coming out the way it should be is pretty good. Yeah? And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes and he guides us. Not just the unfamiliar territory, but he comes, what, uh, what the word says is the parakletos, he comes alongside and walks with us and guides you which is a little bit different from the word teach in chapter 14. Teach means to impart knowledge and skill, which he also does that. And then in chapter 14, verse 26, the word remind. Now, think, think, of, think of a man like Mr. Freeman. Man, he got a lot of knowledge. Yeah? Got a lot of Brilliant. I love, love hearing him preach. Do you think, do you think that Rob, he needs to be taught an awful lot. You, I wouldn't think so. But I know that the Holy Spirit helps him to remember and remind him of the things that he has learnt at various times when he needs to be reminded. And it happens to me too. You know, things that I've learnt in times past, you know, a situation arises. I have doubts, I have concerns, I'm not not sure about something. The Spirit brings to my mind something that I've read, something that I've heard from a preacher. 
Can you see how important the Holy Spirit is in a believer's life? And, and, it's, and the Lord goes on and says that he will do all that into all truth. And he never teaches you anything that's questionable. He says he'll only teach you what he's heard. Does that sound familiar to you? You know, that's what the Lord said when he was here. He said, oh, I'm not going to give you anything new. I'm going to tell you what God told me. I'm going to tell you the words of the Father. And the Holy Spirit does exactly the same thing. He's going to tell us the words that Christ taught and said. Not his own. And then verse 14. Now this is, this is interesting. Verse 14, the Lord says, and you know what? The Holy Spirit, one of his job descriptions, one of his main things, one of the key things that he does is bring glory to me. You see, to glorify Christ is one of the main functions of the Holy Spirit. It really is. He's not, he's not to make himself prominent. That's not the idea of it. He's not to magnify himself, he's to magnify and illuminate and shine a bright light on Jesus Christ. That's his task. So you can see, can't you, that um, some of the things that we're doing today don't really align with this, do they? You know? And in verse 15 it says that another thing that the, that, that the Holy Spirit is, does is that he, he makes Christ known to you and me. He takes what is of Christ and he makes it known to you and me. So it is absolutely vital in our becoming Christ-like. That's what we want to do. Yes? Yes. So now we have, now we have a foundation. We have a foundation on the, on the purpose and the role of the Holy Spirit as our reference point. Everything else that we say from now on, this is our reference point. Does it align with what God wanted? And we can already see, without having said much more, we can already see how human error and human reasoning has crept into our, our view and our understanding on this important doctrine. Next Sunday, next Sunday, we'll look at a very important and chief role of the Holy Spirit in, in the giving of the gifts. We're going to be looking at what are spiritual gifts? What is a spiritual gift? And can we distinguish between a spiritual gift and a natural talent? Is it the same? Are they different? Stay tuned next week, same time, same station. No, same time. Are you going to close in prayer? Okay, just hand back to Evan. Thank you for listening.